Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership. And let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. I'm just a little concerned right now because last night I accidentally erased one of my wife's audiobooks, and now I'm never going to hear the end of it. So that is the extent of our technological capabilities. I think that's yep. a great lead-in for this podcast. It's a great lead-in. <laughs> wow. It's a great lead-in for this episode of the No More Leadership BS wow. podcast. I have the distinct honor to host this episode, and today we're going to talk about artificial intelligence. And I want to start off by saying, I don't think that AI today is intelligent. It's not. To me, it's a giant mega computer full of everything that's ever known to man, apparently. And you can retrieve that information based on the algorithms that are set to retrieve the information. That's not the point. The point of today's episode is how as leaders are we going to adjust to the new reality of AI? You know, as leaders, we're supposed to keep our eyes on the horizon and roll with the punches, so to speak, or even maybe know the punches are coming and duck so you don't have to roll. I want to have a conversation today about what do we see? We're None of us are tech experts. None of us are AI experts. But to talk about how do we think AI is going to impact leadership especially. And uh, Myra, I want to start with you this morning. You're probably the most technically advanced, you and Dr. Sam of the entire group here. So go, what do you think about AI and how it's going to affect us as leaders? It's going to be very disruptive. Absolutely. It's going, it is to our industries and our world in general, the same thing that the computer was back in the 80s. It will completely change how we do things. As far as how, and I agree with you. I don't know that it's intelligence. Intelligence to me is the intersection of wisdom and knowledge. And it's like a giant encyclopedia that knows how to put things together. That's my understanding of it. But how it affects us is, yeah, we're going to have jobs that disappear because they have set this up to do certain people's jobs, but it will never replace the human. So all that to say, it can't replace the human connection. And at least not at this point, at least my interaction with it proves that. Now, will it in the future? I don't know. I'm not a seer. I don't have a crystal ball. All I know is what I believe we have to change is We have to pay more attention to the human connection because that, we're humans. AI is not human. It's knowledge versus the human spirit. And we've drifted away from that as leaders, as industry. We've drifted from the human connection into what's the most profitable, what's the bottom line, what my shareholders say, that type of thing. 
And unless we embrace this, unless we look at it with our eyes wide open and realize that we've got to improve our human connection, I think there will be a lot of people that suffer from it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Dr. Sam, I saw you nodding in agreement about the human connection piece. That's probably an issue irregardless of AI. It's an issue because the AI, so I had to look it up. I don't want to come in here and make believe I know what AI is. So Investopedia says artificial intelligence refers to the simulation of human intelligence by software photoheuristics. So that's a shortcut to how we think about stuff. When we, I think Einstein's credited with the phrasing that he didn't know his own phone number because why should he was in the phone book? I remember it. And personally, I can't remember more than a handful of phone numbers now because they're my phone. And so I just click contact and dial. So that is the question of what do we know? What do we think about versus if we turn to AI, we might lose how we think about it, which is a whole different set of issues. So we may know that humans need interaction and that humans like to be respected and cared for. But if we turn to AI for all the answers, you may forget how to actually do it. So then just wish somebody happy birthday. Okay. Yeah, GPT. How do I send a heartfelt happy birthday message that lands with the person wanting to receive it in a way that makes them feel warm and toasty? You say happy birthday and you smile. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, got it. Great. Thank you. That's <laughs> obviously being ridiculous, but I think that the biggest danger I see is shortcut being used so much so that we forget how to do it ourselves. Yeah, that's good. Conroy, I read one of your posts on LinkedIn this past week about one of the pillars of leadership is how you treat people. And I was just thinking as Dr. Sam was talking there that the computer AI whatever name we give it, Alexa, there you go. (laughs) We're on the list, man. Thanks. We're already calling chat GPT him or her. Well, let's ask him what he thinks. So how how does a computer treat people? And that seems weird. I'm taking the same angle of Dr. Sam is I, I know and use a little bit of chat GPT, but I don't know a whole lot about artificial intelligence. So I actually looked it up and I agree. It's for businesses. They're going to love it because it's cost effective. You don't have to pay them. You're going to save money on payroll. It enhances efficiency. They don't take a rest. They don't need breaks. They don't need lunch breaks. They can work 24-7, 365, and they don't have emotions, so you're not going to hurt their feelings. For me, the disadvantage of it is they don't feel compassion or or sympathy. I think that's a very human trait, and I think that's a must-need in the workplace. you got to have compassion for other people. I think it's going to cause unemployment rates to go up. I think unemployment rates are going to go skyrocket when things become much more automated. And I really do think in the world that we live in, there's always going to be those people that want to use it for evil. And I just think bad things are going to happen. I just think they're going to take it and wreak havoc somehow, some way and hurt people. I just think by relying too much on artificial intelligence, you lose the human component of compassion and working with people on an individual basis. My son works in the entertainment industry and he and I were talking about the writer's strike that's going on right now. And he's worried that part of the deal with the strike is artificial intelligence taking over script writing. And for me, that I don't understand that. I don't understand how, how artificial intelligence can do an emotional targeted 
let's say sitcom that changes from week to week. I, I, I can't wrap my head around that yet. I'm sure it's there. Maybe I'm just the old guy, but you got to have that human component that, that what's happening in the world today and being nimble enough to change on a dime when life happens. That's just my two cents. I have a yeah. question on that, Jeff. Is the humanness in the written word or is it in the delivery? I think it's in the delivery. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's in the, in, in, in our human brain can react faster in my mind. I know the computer can do things in nanoseconds, but I think if I'm talking to my teammate or if I'm talking to my spouse, if I see something body language wise or the way she hear the way she says something, I can react to it a hell of a lot faster than artificial intelligence can. Yeah. And then yeah. in the end, I can get decked for it. But words are also <laughs> very, words are very powerful. Our words yeah. are very powerful. God yeah. spoke the word in, world into existence. So that yeah. tells you something about well, the power of words. Words matter. Words the right matter. words matter. Yeah. I'm not really interested in opening up a thesaurus and how many different ways can you say compassion and sympathy? I'm more interested in, are how you, you deliver? Are, are you delivering it that it will resonate with me? Yeah, yeah there you go. Oh, that's good stuff. And that, that kind of leads G off to the thing about professionals at play, the work that you do to teach people about play and happiness and mental health and stuff. I'm struggling to see how the AI interaction in that arena is going to work at all. Yes. As one of the 17 people on the planet who has actually not looked up chat GPT or ever played with it at all in any way or form, I, as soon as I heard about it, the first thing I imagined was the Terminator. And so I was like, I'm not going to touch Skynet. that. I don't want to bring that into the world. Come on. But it's to me, it's very interesting. There, there are some great aspects because you literally, I just said, you can play with it. You can play with chat GPT. You can play with what words you put in, what queries it will actually look up. And it's a great tool for being able to look up, access that database. But Conroy was saying there, the emotion of it, the actual connection is not going to be there. And it's interesting because I was thinking about this, how AI and how our interaction with computers and the post-COVID, the disconnection of people uh, where we would, we literally had to disconnect from each other and be socially distanced. That had a massive toll on people's mental health and wellness. And our mental fitness, because we suddenly realized we actually do need each other. We need that human engagement piece. Yes. yes. And a computer is not going to take that over. At this point in time, the computer cannot read our facial, the emotions that are read through our face. Your face makes 2,000 different little tiny expressions. And your body, you are biologically programmed to, I know programming, there we go, big word, to be able to read those cues to be able to look at somebody's face, to see the nuances of how the delivery of a spoken word is taken. And so you can change your emotional contagion level based on how you react to something or how you say something. So it's that power that AI doesn't necessarily have right now. It's just a database. And it's a spectacular database, which is really cool, but there's no sentient to it yet. And that's the, that's, I think the part that people get scared at is what happens when all of a sudden AI thinks it's alive yeah, and yet. is it really alive? And does it, is it able to trick people into thinking it's alive? Cause that's a big thing. And what is life? And there's all sorts of rabbit trails we can go down, but at this point in time, how does that apply to leadership? It's a database. It's a tool. How are we going to use it to enhance our ability 
as leaders to work with our people. Because if we're going to use it in our organizations, how do we do it ethically, responsibly, and make sure that if we're going to take, if it does, if it does indeed take people's jobs, what are we going to do with those people? Where's our compassion towards the people that, great, your skill set is right here and that is now taken over by a machine. What do we do with those people? How do we support our fellow human beings in this thing called life? And I think that comes down to a compassion, sympathy, empathy, and the ability to see something from somebody else's point of view, which is leaders is what we have to do. So, How do you think resilience comes into this? That's the first thing that came to my mind when you were saying that. How do you think resilience comes into this? The ability to lead your people into change when they don't know what change looks like. And at, I heard somebody say, who's going to lose their jobs over this? I think it's impossible to say, but I, it's almost guaranteed the people that won't get a job is the people that don't know how to use it. We've been through the retraining thing over and over. Think I live in an old house. I was built in 1851. It is built with the carpenter's care that just isn't available today. The corners look like they grew there, that type of thing. And those people got put out of a job when we started valuing work by the hour instead of by the uh, ability, the quality. Yeah. And their, that skill, that, but they had to adapt. They had to be resilient and jump into the dollar per hour work. So now we're, it went through the industrial revolution. It went through the vehicle, then the airplanes, the whole thing. And computers put a lot of people out of work because it used to take a whole crew just to keep it cool. So their job went down the tubes as we got smarter and smarter. But the, the resilience is how do I adapt to this? How can I look at for the opportunity? Because that's what leaders do. They look for the opportunity for the best of their people. And I just think that is so important for leaders to look at. Oh, Myra, I think that's a great, that's a great point. Thank, thanks for bringing that up. That through all the technological changes, and you just listed some of them, and there's been lots more, and there's certainly going to be many more in the future. One of the things that's consistent through that whole thing is leadership. That the technology has yet, and I, I don't see it in my lifetime and maybe even a number of generations, that technology will replace leadership. And so whether it's AI or whether it's the buggy whip guy or LED lights instead of incandescent light, all the computers, all that stuff, in those arenas or in the businesses and the things that we all do every day, there is still going to be a need, still remains a need for leaders and leadership. I I agree. Anybody's thoughts on that? Do you agree with me? I feel pretty strongly about that. Yeah, I agree. At least for the next generation or two. Yeah. We'll see. I, 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 won't, just, I, I won't have to worry about it. I, I, yeah. That's because you're old. <laughs> hey. Uh, so, see, Dr. Sam. Um, couldn't get that out there. Come on. Dr. <laughs> Sam, I want to hear your thoughts on, you came from higher education. It seems like in writing papers and thesis and things like that, chat GPT would, would be a pretty good tool to use. Be a good tool to use. Yes, it would be. It would also be a dangerous tool to abuse. So there you go. There's this thing called Turnitin, 
and you submit paperwork, your thesis or paper to the software, and it will determine how much of your paper is probably or possibly plagiarized. Yes. And so I did a test the other day just for fun. And I wrote up a brief essay in the day I've been talking about. And I took a paragraph that seemed to me to be pretty generic and you can find just about anywhere. Copied it, pasted it, put it into Google and mm-hmm. found nothing. No hits. Not that the data wasn't there, but that paragraph wasn't someplace. So the software algorithm is strong enough to write up something that looks like original thought that's absolutely not, which is be hard to catch people cheating. Now, the other underlying issue of the cheating issue itself, my old, my high red friends are going to hate this kind of phrasing, but so what? Yeah. People cheat and they don't get the education that the paperwork says they've got. They're still going to be dummies when they're done. So let's yeah. not make believe yeah. that they've earned some kind of different information. They've just worked the system, which happens in every single field, every space, everywhere. Yes. Regardless uh, of just technology. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. I'm not suggesting we sit back and tolerate it, but also understand that if you can't find every single thing, okay. And or we change back over to handwritten essay. You can't fake that in moments. If you're on camera in a room over the paces, it's to, you have to adjust. It's like we adjusted for everything is in the computer. Everybody had a collective thing of the pants in 2000 and the century changed. Turned out to be a whole lot of nothing. This may be that. It may be a whole lot of nothing. We're all going to get anxiety and panic over and realize that, well, you can adjust and tweak and maybe go back old school and solve the problem a different way. Yeah. What a great point, Sam, because when are we going to give back the responsibility for learning to the people who's learning and quit taking it as our responsibility that they learn? We need, as teachers, I think we need to be respectful of being a teacher and mm-hmm. see how we can best connect. But at the end of the day, if they're going to cheat, if they're not going to take the responsibility to study and learn, there is nothing AI or anything else that's going to do it. Ghostwriters right. have been being paid well for a long time. This is just sure, a cheaper true. way. This that's is true. a cheaper way to cheat. Yeah. A cheaper way to cheat. It's like I said in the green room, back in the early 80s when the synthesizers started to become really prominent in the music industry, I remember as a music major, students and reading magazines saying the end of musical instruments because the synthesizer can do it all. And I was always of the firm belief you're always going to need a trumpet player. You're always going to need a piano player. And do they use synthesizers even today? Yeah. But I, st- I still get a kick out of it when I see the Phoenix horns behind Phil Collins or somebody. You still need the magic of the real life musical horns. This question I have for Sam, though, is because I was thinking the exact same thing is if I was a college student and I needed to write a paper on, tell me about the similarities of the 1812 Overture by Peter, Peter Tchaikovsky. And what was going on in Russia during that time. And AI just, I'll use the word, vomits this beautiful document for me that tells me everything is going on. Is this going to cause, or is this going to force, the education system to find a different way to test and assess? I hope so. Because the current testing and assessment is done by a great written instrument, which is good. But if you were in a class where assessment was how have you engaged the topic either in the room or individually with the professor and I know it's higher cost of, of having the class but that's kind of the point just because yeah. you can have 500 people in a class doesn't mean you should correct so maybe it gets back down to actually educate a handful of folks at a time so you can assess what they're learning and I've been in classes like that at the master's level it is exciting and 
a little bit panic inducing. Yeah. So you don't get a sit in the back of the room and just hang out and then yeah, pass, know, yeah. paper during the grade. Yeah. Yeah. We have to engage it and know what you're talking about. If you don't know what you're talking about, somebody else does and they're going to yeah. call it out in an yeah. appropriate way, not here, but just this is the actual information that we got. So to your point, you write that essay that the machine spits out for you. And then you get one single question about that. And you can point, why did you think that? What did you see that drew you to that conclusion? Let's get in my phone for a minute. I'll be right back. Yeah. No learning. That's just repeating somebody else's information. And yeah. the last, que- last, and the last question I have for you, Sam, is the word neener neener a real education term? Not just a real education term. If you look in the fine print, it's on the diploma where uh-huh. it says, you said that you're going to BS your way through the essay. Turns out you learned something neener neener. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for clarification. Thank you, Sam. Hey, but my pleasure. Well, wait, two I, words I, or I, one word? I yield, I yield my time. Neener and neener, back to back, neener, which is an international, by the way, every culture has, it's just a different, it's, and it's always the same tone and the same cadence. It's just different, like syllables. Yeah. So wait, okay. Last question, whether you're walking, driving, whatever, Mr. Conroy brought up a brilliant point that the synthesizer changed how music was produced. You still need musicians. I always ask this question and no one has been able to come up with an answer. For the longest time, so maybe you can chat GPT it, but with our knowledge here, would somebody please tell me the name of a band or group that will be around for the next 20 years because they're that good? Where's our next Aerosmith, our Metallicas, our- U2. Yeah, U2, the Beatles, a band that will be around for generations because they're so good. Are there any of those available or have there been any- I'll even open it up to the last 20 years of music history. I just came back from a particular live show. And there's a gentleman named Garth Brooks who has been going on strong for 30 years. Yes. And doesn't show signs of slowing down a whole lot. So maybe there, there's a space like that. But that's like you're saying, it's the rarity, right? We don't have 15 to throw out necessarily, but one or two potentially. One or two. I know that's who I'm looking for. I'm really looking for who is there some musical artist or band out there that will take that mantle and be around for the next 30 years because they're that good. And I honestly have never had anybody give me an answer. You're all looking blanked. Yeah. No, that's a question. No, we're all typing into chat GPT trying to figure out what it thinks. <laughs> And unfortunately, the producer's telling us, hey, we're out of time for this episode. And we haven't, we just, I don't even think we scratched the surface. It's, we haven't talked about regulation and impact. What our intent here in this episode was to talk about what should a leader's perspective be on this burgeoning technology, especially around, around AI. And we've talked about some of the benefits. We talked about maybe some of the risks in different industries and those kind of things. And it's all in the bag under the heading of leadership. As leaders, we're required to assess the things that are coming. How are they going to impact our people, the people that we're responsible for, and therefore, how is it going to impact our organizations? And this is one of those topics, I think, where stay tuned because we are at the very beginning of this technological advance. And there's none of us, No, I don't even think Mr. Musk himself really knows where it's going to go. Certainly, he's more educated about it than I am, but uh, I think there's a lot that 
that we're just going to have to wait and see. And as leaders, that that is the way a lot of things work. We just have to wait and see and make sure that we keep focusing on taking care of our people. I'm going to go use chat GPT and see if it what it says about the No More Leadership BS podcast. And we will be back with you next week for Jeff Conroy, Myra Hall, Dr. Sam Jennings, and Jeff Geoff McLaughlin. I'm Jeff Geyer. This is the No More Leadership BS podcast. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. 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 B